in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, and I am coming to you from historic, lovely, scenic, beautiful, and all-around awesome Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, I, I am very happy and very proud of where I'm at. Hope you guys will enjoy it. First, hat tip to uh, Rick Barnes and the good guys in orange as they managed to, well, handle their business against Duke as they advance to the Sweet 16. Uh, and no disrespect to Duke, not that it would matter if I was trying to send any to them, but uh, Tennessee struggled in that first round game, still trying to get used to missing their starting point guard. Uh, season-ending injury just a little while before they went into the conference tournament. And uh, they really look like they finally figured out how to work around that. But this is a team that has faced so much adversity, so much uh, in the way of uh, injuries as the season has gone. And it's taken them a bit to, to figure out how to play around that, how to pull together as a team. But they continue to do exactly that. They have climbed all the way to the very top of the rankings at one point in the season. And they still continue to look like an impressive group of young men because they simply understand 
that as a team, you find ways to win. Doesn't mean you always do. They've really done it. So very much great coaching and a uh, great job by those guys putting forth that kind of effort and learning to play together in ways that most teams never quite figure out. I uh, don't know how much further they will go. Uh, certainly it is basketball. Anything can happen, literally. But uh, congratulations to the good guys in Orange taking one step further in the NCAA tournament and taking that advantage in a bracket that I kind of feel pretty good about their chances, uh, at least for the next little bit. And again, they're still going up against great teams that are doing a phenomenal job. Don't get me wrong. Not trying to count the chickens before they hatch. Just saying the way the matchups look with the teams that are left in that bracket. They definitely have a very good chance of uh, handling their business the rest of the way. Certainly know that uh, that the deck has been stacked a little bit, uh, a little bit more for some other teams and some other parts of the bracket. All right. With that having been said, let's do a couple of quick hit uh, headline stories that you'll need to know about that you'll probably hear about more as the upcoming week progresses. Uh, we will start with the fact that uh, evidently some disaffected, some disinfected, this is this is a word that's being used. <laughs> Basically, some people that are fed up, they're not happy. How about we use everyday common language? Some members of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, they seem to be a little miffed at the leadership. In fact, according to these reports that we are getting, some members of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard actually targeted the residence of the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ala Khomeini uh, with artillery. Uh, that, that sounds like they're pretty myth. The attempted attack, which appears to have been quickly foiled, is mentioned in a confidential report detailing a January 3rd meeting in which the IRGC commanders and security officials warned Khomeini about rising tensions in the country. Since the start of the protests that have been ongoing, since they murdered a young girl for not properly wearing her hijab, uh, they've seen a lot of issues with personnel within the Revolutionary Guard. Now, is this going to become a bigger story? Is this going to be something worth getting, uh, I don't know, uh, a lot of follow-up, a lot of follow-through? Is this that beginning of the tipping point that will finally take Iran back from being the theocracy that it is now to something more akin to the liberties and freedoms that existed there before the Shah was overthrown? I don't know if we're there yet, but this this ongoing resistance, this ongoing pushback has certainly been more sustained and more serious. It seems to have spread further than any other efforts to reignite the flames of freedom in Iran. So my fingers are crossed, and I hope it can be achieved with the least amount of bloodshed possible. However... It's been made clear by the Ayatollah, all the mullahs, and a majority of the still loyal Revolutionary Guard 
that it's going to take spilled blood. I hate that. But freedom always finds a way to return to places where it has been. It's just taken a very long time in Iran's case. So, another headline worth note. It appears that illegal immigration crossings are spiking. You're like, uh, Tim, that's not breaking news. Uh, ever since Joe Biden was announced the winner, and I say announced, emphasis there, was announced the winner of the last presidential election. People started crossing the southern border like crazy. But see that? That's what makes this news, my friends, because we're talking about the northern border. See, local authorities and state governments in the northeast United States are now asking the federal government for more help as they deal with an influx of illegal migrants crossing from Canada into the U.S., See, between October 1st of 2022 and February 28th of this year, around 2,000 Mexican migrants illegally crossed uh, the Swanton sector. That's a 24,000 square mile stretch of border that runs between Canada, New York, and New Hampshire uh, and parts of Vermont. According to the authorities there, they recorded only about 200 such crossings during the same time period of the previous year. NBC News has reported that the spike is causing alarm among Americans who live near the northern border. Well, how about that? Isn't it funny how a lot of the folks that are in certain parts of the country can say mean and hurtful things about the folks that live on the southern border when they talk about how dealing with illegal migration, the illegal border crossing there is a threat, that it, it endangers them, and they'll set back these folks up north. They'll talk about how that's just racist. Well, it doesn't seem so racist now that it's happening to them. Isn't that a strange little dink? Or maybe it's just freaking common sense. Uh, we have all kinds of folks reference this, but uh, the real issue comes to play that uh, Canada changed its policy back in 2016. Uh, you'll recall, because uh, if you're a listener of this show and been listening since that long, uh, we talked about it extensively when it happened. But due to Canada making this policy change, Mexican migrants were allowed legally to fly into Canada without visas. The migrants then, of course, attempt to perform an illegal border crossing from the north instead of from the southern side, uh, trying to walk across uh, the southern border. While it seems to be easy enough, it's still fairly dangerous. And again, we are talking about Mexican nationals. It's almost no Mexicans trying to come across the Mexican border. It's almost always people from further south or from other parts of the world, like the Middle East and some parts of Europe. It, it really is kind of weird. The, the Mexican illegal migration has become almost non-existent at this southern border, but there have been many who've taken advantage of this free pass into Canada and then try to find a, a good place to sneak across there. So it does seem very weird that we have this new sudden spike 
I think it has a lot to do with uh, situations like the story I was telling you on the last broadcast about Gordon Knight. Things are getting so bad in Canada now that anybody that still believes in the idea of liberty are probably going to start trying to come across the border, too. It's not just going to be Mexican nationals for much longer. We have legitimate political refugees here in the U.S. right now that had to flee Canada because of what's happening there. And if you missed the Gordon Knight uh, conversation from last Friday's live show, by all means, you have to go back and listen. Now, I got to tell you, the first bit of the show did not go as smoothly as I would have liked. Uh, we were a little discombobulated. We had some issues trying to get my uh, scheduled guest on, that, that very first guest that we were scheduled to, working on trying to get that rescheduled. As it turns out, uh, there was some miscommunication, uh, different places. We didn't have the right number to call them, and it was a mess. I started getting texts while we were on air uh, from the folks that run the PR company that handled the booking, and uh, the whole nine here, they're trying to figure out why we didn't call the guests. We're trying to figure out why the guests never answered the phone. Well, it all comes down to miscommunications with the phone number. So we'll be here uh, working on that. But all that, you can kind of... You can kind of hear it going on during the conversations. You can hear the distraction from me, and I'm sorry about that. But if you will listen past that little bit and get to my conversation with Gordon Knight, you really, really need to hear what this man is fighting and trying to both enlighten his fellow uh, Canadians and also serves as a grand warning to those of us here in the United States as we see incidents like what happened at Stanford Law School, as we are now training up the next generation of lawyers and setting judges and maybe even Supreme Court justices into the idea, the mindset that, you know, sure, the Constitution says this, sure, the law says this, but I feel like that's wrong, so I'm allowed to treat you differently just because I don't agree with you. That's the kind of thing that they're training through the kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion crapola that's being spewed when they're supposed to be getting those kids ready to become productive members of society. So go back and listen to that. And again, it is because of this man's story that I firmly believe it's not going to be just Mexican nationals taking advantage of the legal loophole that Justin Trudeau created. It's going to be a lot of other Canadian citizens before long because when freedom snuffs out there, they don't have any place else to go. And we need to cling to ours desperately. Just saying. All right. Uh, those were the two quick hitters I wanted to throw out. Before I get into today's primary topics, I need to take a moment to remind everybody that I'm still promoting 4Patriots.com as we're desperately trying to at least get them back, or hopefully even a little bit over, that 100% return on investment that was the one-month trial of their sponsorship of the show. Meaning, I need you guys to do me a big favor and, and visit the number four, Patriots.com. Take a look around. Find what you can find. I, there's plenty of stuff that I know you're, you're not going to be able to argue it wouldn't be good to have. In fact, I was over there visiting just the other day, and I can't get my mind off of this new solar-powered freezer that they have available. It, it looks like a cooler, 
uh, a little bit bigger. Obviously, a few more dials, budgets, gadgets, it's fun. But it runs on solar power. It will keep your frozen food frozen even if you run out of electricity because guess what? You've got the backup power of the sun. So your power is out. You can still keep your stuff frozen. Uh, it's not going to matter. But if your backup power goes out, you might need other things to stay powered up, which is why we're still really, really trying to get you to take a look at the Patriot Power Generator. How so? Just so happens to be solar. And as a solar generator, that means it doesn't use gas, so it doesn't have any fumes, so you don't have to worry about the very dangerous potential of carbon monoxide poisoning, something that Craig lost his wife and two children to back when he tried to buy a gas-powered generator during Hurricane Ida. He fired that bad boy up, carbon monoxide seeped out of the gas generator and into his home. His life has never been the same again. And the sad part is, the tragedy never had to happen. And it certainly doesn't have to happen to any of the other thousands of people who have some level of effect due to carbon monoxide poisoning every year. And that is thanks to this brand new generation of portable, safe, silent, and 100% fume-free generators. And yeah, it does cost some money. And right now, under this economy, I get it. We're talking about an investment that is well over $2,000 if you buy it at one time. But the return on the investment there is immense. And even if you can't come up with that kind of fundage right now, 4Patriots.com has a great payment plan that's available. Something that you probably can work into your investment. And I do feel like, honestly, that while you constantly have to make this distinction between what you can afford and what you simply can't afford not to do, this probably falls into that second category. So, even if you don't want to look at these big ticket items, they've got great emergency supply backup food. They've got heirloom seeds available. They've got a ton of other handy-dandy things like water purification, water storage, just a lot of great stuff. So, if nothing else, just go visit 4Patriots.com and take a look around. But if you do decide to make a purchase, remember, especially if this is your first time buying from them, or if it's just been a long time before you bought from them, uh, try the code again and see if it'll still work. Uh, you know what? Try the code anyway. Even if it's not, I'm pretty sure they can uh, check and uh, verify and let you know, and then you can try a different code. But use the code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, to get yourself 10% off your first-time purchase over there on literally anything in the store. And that includes the Patriot Power Generator. Just go to the number 4, Patriots.com. Use code TAP, T-A-P-P, -P, to get that 10% off. That's 4Patriots.com. Number 4, P-A-T-R-I-O-T-S.com. Use code TAP, T-A-P-P. Get your stuff today. All right. We got to talk about it, right? I mean, it, there's there's no way to avoid it. I, I like focusing on the stuff that not everybody else is talking about, but there's no way not to talk about this. Yes, I'm talking about the... What, what's a good way to put this? The brouhaha that occurred since Donald John Trump took to Truth Social Saturday morning and tweeted that he's expecting to be arrested 
on Thursday of this upcoming week, and that uh, he issued a call to action. He asked not just his supporters, but all Americans that believe in freedom, all Americans that believe in liberty, all Americans that believe in due process, all Americans that believe in the Constitution, all Americans that believe that there should be no political weaponization of the Justice Department to stand up and protest. Now, very careful. He said protest. He didn't say riot. He didn't say storm the Capitol building, although he did say take this country back as he was closing it out. And again, when he says that, I think it's important for us to keep in mind that he's talking about taking the country back in the name of the people. Not overthrowing the government, but restoring the government to its natural, as-created state. Which means it's limited in authority, it has every branch, has its specific role to play, and that at no point in time is it to be weaponized against the citizenry. This is what's going on here. We're talking about all of this happening, of course, after an NBC report came out stating that they were in the state of New York, that state, local, and federal law enforcement, law enforcement officials and the like were going over security protocols for after the indictment of Donald Trump has been completed. And we also had word from Trump attorneys that they plan to surrender Trump peacefully in the event that they require it. We've we had all this grumbling late in the week. And then Trump made this announcement. He said, guys, don't just sit back and do this. And then we've had people throw out crazy ideas like, Ron DeSantis should do more. Ron DeSantis should say, we're not going to extradite him. Well, okay, if Trump has already had his attorneys make an announcement, release the announcement that they're going to turn themselves in, then there's not going to be extradition. I've heard a lot of criticism that from Trump supporters directed at uh, DeSantis for not doing more to try to stop any of this. It's like, exactly what is he supposed to stop? Okay, guys, let's get our heads out of our bums and let's stop being all Trump all the time and start thinking about what's best for the country. Because what's best for the country is that this plays out in the way it should. What's best for the country is if we do stand up, protest, voice our concerns, demand our liberties be restored, demand that our elected officials and the deep state appointees that they put in place understand what their roles are. That's what's best for the country. Now, there are very few possibilities that this turns out as badly for Donald Trump as everyone on the left wants it to do, as long as there's still any semblance of our legal system still in operation. Because even the most ardent never-Trumpers that are attorneys have made it quite clear, especially those familiar with New York law, that what they're trying to charge Trump with is at best a misdemeanor. They're trying desperately to try to turn it into something bigger than that. And even then, it, from a legal standpoint, it's a dubious argument at best because they're trying to make the case that Donald Trump simply used 
the wrong funds. That he simply took money from the wrong place to pay off Michael Cohen to send Stormy Daniels her hush money. There is absolutely nothing illegal about sending them the hush money. There's nothing illegal about having a non-disclosure agreement. It may be distasteful. It may be immoral. But the law has been established so that these people can do exactly that. In fact, if you'll recall, there is a fund specifically set up for members of the House of Representatives that they can draw upon this to make uh, lurid and uncouth accusations kind of go away. It's something they do on a regular basis. And to pretend like this isn't partisan, to pretend like this isn't a political attack because they want to remove Donald Trump as a threat. They still want him to be the nominee, so it's a little surprising they're pushing this hard this early. But they want to take him out. They want to damage him and his reputation. And they think this might be a good way to do it. They think there's enough turmoil right now in the Republican Party that... If they can take Trump out, they won't, there won't be enough time for the party to get behind another candidate because it's too divided right now. But is it really? We've just got to move forward. When, <clears throat> when you can honestly take a look and get a former vice president, by the name of Mike Pence, who, in general, everybody who knows him says that he's a good Christian man. I've got no reason to doubt that. But he's been far from a Trump ally or a Trump supporter since January 6th. In fact, he's made statements relatively recently in so much as saying that history will hold Donald Trump accountable for January 6th. He made that statement. This is the guy, he's not in Trump's corner. He's not his ally. He's not his buddy. And a lot of people still think that he has designs on running for president himself. He came out and stated in no uncertain terms that the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation into Trump is, and I quote, politically charged prosecution. He said it. He recognizes it. He was talking to ABC News' Jonathan Carl. They were on this week. Pence blasted Alvin Bragg for prioritizing prosecuting Trump over the crime epidemic that's going on in New York City. This, of course, came after Trump's comments where he's expected to be indicted and expected to be arrested and demanded that we all rise up. And to be fair, I read that uh, truth that he put out. It was a lot of caps, meaning he was using his outside voice. But I think under the circumstances, he probably should. Now, what's interesting to me is in Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, we know that he's received money from that uh, that spooky dude that likes to fund DAs across the country that are awfully soft on criminals and awfully not giving a rat's backside about victims of crime. 
Now, according to a report that I saw, Alvin, Mr. District Attorney Bragg, is reportedly offered a private response on Saturday to the remarks that Donald Trump made on Truth Social. And, uh, of course, again, I remind you, Trump's remarks came after a report on NBC News. A report that said federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies were analyzing security assessments, that they were making plans, that they were preparing uh, for the possibility, meaning that uh, it's been leaked and they're going to do it, that Trump could be indicted. Although no date was given in the report, that's fair enough. Trump has other means of gathering information, and there's plenty of leaks in this office. Too many Democrats trying to can't hide and contain their giddiness over this. So Trump made his statements, and like I said, protest, take our nation back. We just can't allow this anymore. They're killing our nation as we sit back and watch. We must save America. Protest, protest, protest. All caps. Every last bit of it in caps. And if you're not familiar, for some strange reason, I don't think there's any of this out there anymore that's not. But just in case, if you're not familiar with uh, online etiquette and social media etiquette, when you're using all caps like this, that means you're supposed to read it as though they're shouting at you. Bragg, who, again, spooky dude money. That's George Soros, in case you're wondering. Spooky dude money. Who has been accused, for good reason, of leading a politically motivated case against the former president. He reportedly wrote in an email to employees that was somehow magically obtained by the Politico, you know, the bastion of conservative news. Uh, yeah, Politico. Obviously, that's not them. Politico, far from a bastion of conservatism. They managed to obtain this email that's supposed to be a private email for the employees working for Bragg. So there's a leak in the DA's office there. Anyway, quoting from the email, quote, I'm sure you have seen the ongoing press attention and public comments surrounding an ongoing investigation by this office. Please know that your safety is our top priority. We have full confidence in our outstanding security staff and investigators, along with our great OCA and NYPD colleagues, and will continue to coordinate with all of them. We do not tolerate attempts to intimidate our office or threaten the rule of law in New York. Our law enforcement partners will ensure that any specific or credible threats against the office will be fully investigated and that our proper safeguards are in so. All 1,600 of us have a secure work environment. This office is full of the finest public servants in the country. I am committed to maintaining a safe work environment where everyone is able to continue to serve the public with the same diligence and professionalism that makes this institution so renowned. And he continued. He went on for a ways. But so heroic 
so complimentary of everybody else that he's working with to try to take down the Trumpster. I didn't hear anything in this response that made him upset that the report that this was going on in the first place got leaked to NBC News in the first place. I, I didn't hear that anywhere. I have not heard him make a statement about being bothered by this email having been leaked, uh, which almost makes me wonder if maybe it's not him or under his orders that this was actually released slash leaked. And again, I'll remind you, the case involves the alleged payment, which I think we pretty much all know we can stop the, we can drop the alleged part, but journalists, journalists should still use the word alleged. I'm not a journalist, I'm a commentator, although I probably adhere to more journalistic integrity principles than most people that claim the mantle. Not all, there's some great ones still out there. If you happen to be a journalist and you hear that and you get mad at me, don't, I don't know you specifically. And I know that you know some of the people that you consider to be colleagues. I know that you know that they're not holding up high standards of journalistic integrity. So, again, you can't be mad at me for calling out the truth. But these alleged payments that... Trump attorney, well, former Trump attorney Michael Cohen, admits that he made to Daniels during the presidential race to keep quiet about the alleged 2006 tryst between Trump and Daniels. Cohen pled guilty to related charges and served time in prison. Although non-disclosure agreements are legal, as I've already mentioned, the potential problem for Trump centers around how his company reimbursed Cohen. And that's still what it comes down to. The payment was listed as a legal expense, and the company cited a retainer agreement with Cohen. The retainer agreement did not exist, and the reimbursement was not related to any legal services from Cohen, thus setting up a potential misdemeanor criminal charge for falsifying business records. They're still trying to say, okay, there's this misdemeanor charge, and they're trying to state that the money actually came from campaign finance rather than from the company coffers. So good luck. Good luck. Make the case as best you can. I think you're going to fail. I think this does probably help Donald Trump, not to the degree that I've heard some people say it, but I think it does help him, especially when, once again, he embarrasses all you Democrat would-be social justice warriors who have to take down the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, the most evilest, baddest, no-good person to ever walk the face of the earth until you decide that Ron DeSantis becomes that guy. Until you decide that whoever runs as the Republican nominee for president after the next guy becomes that guy. Because... That's the routine. That's the song and dance, right? That's the dog and pony show. Every time, the next guy is Hitler. Do you realize how many Hitlers we've had, according to the left right now? And yet the left never can figure out that Hitler was a guy that politically 
was on the left side of the political spectrum. He was a socialist for crying out loud. But, but he was evil. Yeah, well, most socialism is. And by most, I mean all, but I can't say that and, and keep all the socialist kitty wannabes listening, can I? Truth hurts. All right, I've run a little long because, you know, I tend to do that. What do you say? We take that mid-hour break, despite it being a little late. And uh, when we come back, we'll move on to the next topic. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been done before. The Old Testament prophets predicted and longed for the coming of Messiah, the one who would enter history to bring redemption and deliverance to God's chosen people. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, through a carefully selected series of Old Testament quotations, the New Testament book of Matthew documents and verifies Jesus Christ's claim to be King of the Jews. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' genealogy, baptism, messages, and miracles all clearly point to the same inescapable conclusion. Jesus is King the long-awaited Messiah. President Thomas Jefferson believed that the teachings of Jesus embody the most sublime system of morals in the world. He stated, quote, We all agree in the obligation of the moral precepts of Jesus, and nowhere will they be found delivered in greater purity than in his discourses. Early in Jesus' public life, the Apostle Peter recognized who the carpenter was. In his Gospel, Matthew configured and confirmed that Jesus is the Messiah. And in his politics, Thomas Jefferson embraced Christ's teachings. Was Thomas Jefferson a flawed individual? Oh, yeah. And the last time I checked, none of us are perfect. That is why we need Jesus, which Thomas Jefferson recognized. How about you? God bless you. God bless America. And may America bless God. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Being stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of being stocks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, Put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, but the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do.
introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Skull. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akuari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from the 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink, conquer, repeat, skull. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, I'm Christina Bob, author of Stealing Your Vote and attorney for the Donald J. Trump for President 2024 campaign. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Love is like oxygen, and I need more of it. So what do you say you guys send me a little love as I send you every bit I have to offer back? All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for staying with me through that very brief break as I wax poetic, rather uh, unpoetically, and let's jump back into uh, the situation. Because as much as everybody's talking about the imminent 
indictment and arrest of Donald John Trump for a six-year-plus-old misdemeanor, um, something else is going on. The current banking system in the United States is continuing to be exposed, and this, of course, leads Democrats to have to try to, you know, point the fingers somewhere other than themselves, right? Well, currently leading that charge is Massachusetts Democratic Senator Miss Pocahontas, a.k.a. Elizabeth Warren. You see, she's out there hitting the entire Sunday talk show circuit, demanding that it's time that we have a new Federal Reserve chairman because Jerome Powell's job performance is just so bad. Except you can make an argument it's not been great. And the argument that you have to make, though, is that he didn't start moving fast enough to counter inflation, and that maybe he hasn't moved swiftly enough in an effort to try to, to get that magical soft landing they kept talking about that I, I don't think historically has ever been a thing to actually happen. Uh, I, if there was an occasion, if there's some point where somebody's claiming we had a soft landing, would love to see the numbers on that and just check and see if it really was or if that's just political spin. Anyway, uh, Warren was rolling around appearing on several of the Sunday morning talk shows and uh, accused Powell of taking a flamethrower to regulations on big banks and failing to control inflation. Except that's not really what he did, was it? I mean, first and foremost, Jerome Powell has no power over banking regulations. They get to make some of their own rules, but if you're talking about regulations, isn't that still the role of Congress? Isn't that something that both the House and the Senate are supposed to be, you know, overseeing? Granted, the Federal Reserve has been granted authority from them, way more than they should have, uh, to, to do all kinds of stuff, but ultimately, they can take that power back at any point. In fact, they can completely ignore the Fed, uh, do away with the uh, centralized banking system as it currently exists, all by a simple vote. So, again, pointing fingers at someone else. Obviously, in the wake of the Silicon Valley bank collapse, Warren has been out there, and she's calling for the Federal Reserve and for Congress to impose more regulations because, of course, they want more power. She also said that Powell should not be chairman of the Fed. Nope, this guy, he's not the one because he's not doing what we want to try and uh, fake out potential voters. We, we don't want you knowing exactly how bad our fiscal policies are. We don't want you knowing how much government spending of I don't know, let's say, an uncontrolled nature. How much that actually affects inflation? Oh, we don't want you to know that. And we certainly can't have you out there possibly telling people that, yes, I've got to raise rates yet again. It's going to start costing American jobs. It's going to start making life more and more difficult than just the simple inflation already is. And it's not the Federal Reserve's fault. Our responsibility as we have chartered our existence is to try to get inflation back below 
a certain number. And as long as the government continues to want to spend like, well, I was going to say like a drunken sailor, but unfortunately, let's face facts, sailors typically stop spending once they don't have any more money left. That's not what the government has done here. Not even close. I don't have to tell you that, but I think it's an important distinction. They continue to spend our money that we have yet to even earn, and they pretend like by reducing the amount of budgetary uh, allotments that we're actually cutting the deficit. But you're not, because the deficit and the budget, they're not the same, are they? Well, we're trying to cut the deficit. We're not worried about the debt. Okay, well, let's keep playing those semantic overload games. Technically, there is a distinction. The debt is the accumulation of all the deficit spending. Well, the deficit is how much more money they're spending than they're taking in. The question should always be on the lips of every single American whether you actually end up leaving any of your federal taxpayer dollars that are withheld from you in their hands or not at the end of the year. You should be asking, what are they doing with our money? If you happen to be someone that is genuinely a federal tax, taxpaying citizen, you don't get everything back. They keep some part, all, or demand a check at the end uh, of your money because you didn't have enough withheld, then you definitely should be asking. But if you're somebody who's out here that never, never has to pay in because you're at a certain economic level of income, maybe even... Maybe even you get to claim tax credits, these earned income tax credits, so that you're actually getting back more than you paid in. At some point in time, even though I know you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, maybe you should be asking, where's that extra money coming from? Because, yeah, I, I'm perfectly willing, I've said this before, I'm perfectly willing to concede that if you don't earn a certain amount of dollars, the government's got no business taxing you, so you should get it back. Now, there is no reason whatsoever that you should ever get back more than was withheld. But, you know, simple basics here. Simple basics. Let, let's get back to the story here. You see, Jerome Powell has said that he wants to do, uh, what he wants to do is lighten regulations on the books. I'm quoting uh, Pocahontas by now, by the way. Warren uh, went on uh, Face the Nation. She said uh, that Donald Trump ran for president saying that he would lighten the regulations on these banks, which technically they did. But Barney Frank has even come out and said that the regulations that got changed would not have stopped what's happening now. This is still a direct result of uncontrolled government spending and the inflation that followed. On Face the Nation, uh, he, she also said that Jerome Powell just literally took a flamethrower to these regulations in order to make them less and less effective. These regulations wouldn't have changed a thing. They're not the cause of the inflation. All they did is they allowed smaller and mid-sized banks to be competitive. That's all it did. It allowed them to get back in the game. It took away the amount of fluidity all these banks had to have with its capital. If you can avoid a run on that bank, 
it's never an issue. These regulations, I mean, you can make the argument, and I'm not opposed, by the way, to, to require banks at any level to be able to maintain a certain level of liquidity. You should be able, if your depositors show up and demand their money, you should be able to give it to them. I, I'm on board with that, and if you want to make that liquidity level 100%, fine. But that, that means the banks cannot be profitable, which also means, like it or not, the banks are going to go away. You're going to end up having only the super mega banks, which you would think the Federal Reserve would be okay with. But then in turn, they make a ton of money loaning money to the smaller banks. So uh, it's part of their income stream. Kind of weird, but yeah. Warren said that Jerome Powell has said that he wants to do this lightning regulations on the banks. I opposed him as chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, precisely for that reason. I said he was too dangerous, that he was a dangerous man to have in that position. Now, Warren's trying to sound like she's doing something after the fact. The real reason she didn't like Jerome Powell is because Jerome Powell has made it clear from the beginning that he doesn't care what the government says his job is not to save the banking industry. His job is to fight inflation. He wanted business to be turned loose. He wanted an economy that would grow because he understands that, uh, you know what, that kind of lets the Reserve Bank be profitable too. Warren also went on to call for accountability from Powell and the, the financial regulators who quote, clearly fell down on the job, and from financial executives who, she says, enabled Silicon Valley banks to collapse with risky investments. But let's remind Ms. Warren that what caused the issue with liquidity wasn't risky investments. It was investments in bonds that, unfortunately, at the time they bought them, were paying a very low yield. At the time they bought them, that was the safe investment. It was the smart play. That's why this is still a systemic issue throughout the entire banking system, because a lot of other banks did the exact same thing and have fortunately, to this point, not been put in a position of somebody making a run on them. So they haven't had to try to sell off these bonds right now on a market where they're not as valuable because the bonds that you can buy brand new right now are paying a much higher yield. They're better investment than the bonds that these folks got. Now, the real issue here has a lot more to do with the fact that none of these banks were prioritizing risk management. A lot of these banks were, in fact, promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion. A lot of these banks were prioritizing the level of their ESG score and where they were placing their ESG score investments. All of this was put ahead of risk assessment. And I will remind Miss Warren, as I'll remind every one of you and ask you to do the same, not just to Miss Warren, but to every other elected official, whether they have a D or an R or an I or any other letter stuck at the end of their name, remind them of exactly the fact that Jerome Powell and company were warning months before they actually did their first base point increase 
that they were going to have to do it if it didn't start coming down on its own. A good risk management team would have started looking to unload those bonds then, before the bond market made such a swift change, before the new bonds being issued started offering much, much better rates of return. Because that's where the smart money is always going to go. That's where the smart money should go. Find your best, safest investments. Understand that once you get to a certain point, you can try riskier investments in the hopes of better payoffs with the understanding that with enough investors, even investments that might not have made it otherwise will be able to weather the storm and get to a point where they can make it. It all is very simple. You only risk what you should be able to. But if you have a risk assessment team in place, if you have somebody that understands what Jerome Powell and company were saying before they even started down this path, they would have started moving those things then. It's just that simple. Start selling those bonds when you could still sell them at, at, at least what you paid. Maybe you can't get a profit. Maybe you are going to have to sell some of them at a, a small loss. But if they've started moving them when they when they were first being warned by the Federal Reserve that this is a thing that's about to happen, get ready, it wouldn't have happened. So this wasn't about risky investments. This isn't even about Silicon Valley uh, being uh, in a bad situation uh, as far as capital was concerned. And the fact that the Biden administration has swooped in and said that they'll make good even what the FDIC, FDIC wouldn't ordinarily cover, and I still think it has a lot more to do with so many depositors having such direct ties to the Communist Party of China, a.k.a. Chinese Communist Party, a.k.a. CCP, I really think that they probably don't do that, even for all their little tech bro companies who are so very, very loyal to devoting to the dedicating funds to the Democrats. I just don't think they would have done it. Okay, I just took a quick glance at the clock. We're definitely running a little long. We're going to run long is what I'm telling you. So don't go away. We're not resetting the hour right off uh, the way I normally try to do. But it's the Sunday show. We're not rebroadcasting anywhere with the Sunday show anymore. So we'll spend the extra time together. Warren continued. She echoed the same sentiment when she went over to meet the press. She uh, said, and I quote, he has a dual mandate. Yes, he is responsible for dealing with inflation, but he is also responsible for employment. Not really, Elizabeth, not really. But anyway, back to the quote. And what Chair Powell is trying to do, and he has said fairly explicitly, is that they are trying to, in effect, slow down the economy so that, this is, by the Fed's own estimate, two million people will lose their jobs. And I believe that is not what the chair of the Federal Reserve should be doing. Yeah, you know, you've said that already, Elizabeth. You've said it a few times before you went on here. But it doesn't matter what you believe. See, what most people don't understand. Now, granted, 
Elizabeth Warren, even before she started claiming to be a fake Cherokee Indian, well, she claimed to be a real one, but it was a fake claim, so you get what I'm saying. Even before she started claiming that, even before she claimed that she was fired from a position because she was a woman, which also turned out to be untrue. She was a law professor, not an economist. So if she doesn't understand the economy, fair enough, a good chance she probably has somebody on her staff who does. And maybe they've told her the truth about this. Maybe they're afraid to. I mean, there's a reason why so many Democrats don't seem to understand it, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that eh, they're kind of afraid to, because they know their boss doesn't want to hear it. They'll be replaced, right? For better or for worse, that's the situation. The Fed is saying it's probably going to cost about two million jobs because that's the mess that they have made to the workplace without any concern about it previous to this moment. Elizabeth, I fully believe, is smart enough to know this. She's smart enough to understand it. I think she should understand it. But let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Let's say, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm a really good lawyer, which actually that's probably giving her the benefit of the doubt. She was a law professor. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. She should have good fundamental understanding. I think she's smart enough to understand the basics, the fundamentals of economics. I think she's smart enough to know that the socialist mentality that she too seems to have embraced as of late, you know, as soon as she thought she was a legitimate presidential candidate, I think she knows that that's not a system that actually works. But again, this isn't about telling the American people the truth. This is about pointing fingers. This is about putting up smoke screens. And this is about her own political ambition because she does still hope to one day be the Democratic nominee for president. And foolishly enough, if she still wants that nomination, that only means that she does believe that she can become president at some point. I don't think she has the charisma to do it. I don't think she has the smarts to do it, quite honestly. Because when you go around saying stuff like this in such a blatantly, obviously false fashion, you are demonstrating that either A, you don't know much, or B, you think the American people, the people you're counting on to vote for you, are too stupid to know better. Because the only way somebody does vote for you when you're telling them this stuff is if they're too stupid to know better. Chuck Todd asked Warren whether Powell should be fired. Warren responded to that by saying, quote, My views on J. Powell are well known at this point. He has had two jobs. One is to deal with monetary policy. One is to deal with regulation. He has failed at both. Look, I don't think he should be chairman of the Federal Reserve. I have said it as publicly as I know how to say it. I've said it to everyone. Yeah, but Elizabeth, let's also be honest here. If failing at your job was a means to be removed from it rather than to be promoted, 
almost everybody with a D at the end of their name would not be employed in any fashion. All right, real quick. Uh, billionaire investor Warren Buffett reportedly spoke with uh, the Biden administration uh, officials there in the last few days. This supposedly uh, contending with the fact that uh, the current banking crisis is ongoing. The idea here is they were hoping to talk Warren Buffett into investing in banks. Now, the banks that are in the most trouble that probably shouldn't be, that can be profitable, you better believe Berkshire Hathaway will be making investments heavily because the stocks are plummeting in those banks. But they're going to be looking at the stress testers. They're going to be looking at the risk assessment. They're going to be looking at what made them weak and soft. And if profitability is not a viability, don't expect him to do it. He may love the Democratic Party, but he is not going to fully support something that's going to be crushed in the end. Uh, he's not the smartest guy politically, and they have literally gotten to the point where the company is so sizable that he no longer has to be magic at his stock picks, but he still has a reputation he wants to proceed. Now, there were no formal statements that have been released about these conversations. Uh, somebody over at Bloomberg News, however, said that they did, in fact, focus at least on in part on investments into the U.S. regional bank sector, hoping that Warren Buffett money can uh, help shore up the liquidity of these banks so that they don't have to sell off all these bonds just yet, because these bonds are still profitable if you can hang on to them long enough for them to mature. The problem is they're still selling at a loss if you have to liquidate them in order to meet the demands of the depositors who are now asking for their cash out. I don't know how many times that has to be said. It still seems like some folks are confused about this. Uh, and, and I've heard a lot of other people try to explain this too. I don't think that you guys that are normally listening to the show have a problem with it, but I still see a lot of people struggling to understand this. So if I keep reiterating it, maybe that will encourage you guys to keep re reiterating it with the folks that you run into that don't seem to get it because it's they really do need to understand this. Now, again, Warren Buffett, 92 years old at this point, uh, also offered broad advice on how to deal with the financial situation, according to a different report. Uh, evidently, uh, nobody's taking the advice too seriously, though. There's news of uh, the talks that come after the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and Silvergate Bank collapsed this month, uh, after which the federal government took steps to protect depositors. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen assured Congress last week that the U.S. financial system remains sound and that 11 major banks offered $30, $30 billion in deposits to assist the struggling First Republic Bank. Most of those 11 banks actually happen to be the banks that make up the Federal Reserve, just FYI. Strange coincidence, isn't it? Beyond that, these are deposits that, in many cases, were actually deposits that were made to the larger banks from depositors who had taken their money out of the First Republic Bank. So, yeah, that it's obvious, if you know the details behind the scene, that they're playing a shell game. Despite all this, despite all of this, 
because maybe you're too smart for your own good, but there are still concerns about the looming recession uh, linger, and that the markets have been so volatile, except markets are always volatile. Buffett, who runs Berkshire Hathaway, has a, a history of stepping in to help banks in distress over the years, except he didn't do it just to help them. He did it to make money. Berkshire Hathaway put $5 billion into Goldman Sachs to help steady it during the 2008 global financial crisis. Buffett also invested $5 billion in Bank of America during the 2011 debt ceiling crisis. Again, the word there is invest. He became a depositor, and he chose to do that in the banks that were, uh, as we have coined the phrase, too large to fail. He knew things were going to be okay. There was no doubt, no question. The federal government was, going, was not going to let them fail. So at the end of the day, uh, Elizabeth Warren is out there trying to attack Jerome Powell for doing his job, something she hasn't done maybe ever. I, I, don't, I can't think of a single occasion where she's actually done her job. I'm sure she would disagree, but that's just because she doesn't actually understand that the job of an elected official is to represent the people who elected you, not just toe the Democratic Party line. And I will stand on that merit, even if she shows up and asks. In fact, she's welcome to come on the show and defend her statute at any point in time, if she so chooses. In the meanwhile, uh, even though we're almost 10 minutes into the second hour, let's go ahead and take that mini break to kind of reset. Then we'll move on to the next topic. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back. Hello, this is Stella Morabito, author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Ours is the first revolution in the history of mankind that truly reversed the course of government. And with three little words, we the people. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are. Our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. There's a clear cause and effect here that is as neat and predictable as a law of physics. As government expands, liberty contracts. America, this is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing, and you are listening to Tim Tap Tap into the Truth. All 
right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you so much for staying with me through that very, very brief break as I uh, took a moment to recapture my breath. I want to thank Ken Crow there for doing that liner. As always, great American doing great work and uh, always appreciate his insights and how generous he's been with his time. Uh, before we jump into the next topic, I would like to remind you once again, guys, I know it seems like a terrible time to ask you to go spend money on anything at all because you got to have your priorities set. But one of those priorities has to be being prepared. Now, if you are a lover of individual liberty, that means that you have to engage in self-responsibility. And part of that responsibility is being self-sufficient. So, if you go visit forpatriots.com, they're going to help you out with that. Whether you're looking at uh, trying to make sure that you have a ample amount of backup electricity should the grids go down due to storms, natural disasters, or some man-caused disaster of some kind. Whether you just want to plant a small survival garden. Or even if you just want to make sure that you can purify your water in a bad case, maybe you just really like going extreme camping and think all these things would be great to have if you go camping. Doesn't matter what it is that you're looking to do, just be prepared. Forpatriots.com right now is still uh, running a special on the Patriot Power Generator, which is solar-powered. Uh, since it's solar, it means it doesn't run on gas. Since it doesn't run on gas, it means there's no fumes. No fumes means you don't have to worry about carbon monoxide poisoning, which is a thing that happens literally to thousands of people every year who are trying to run backup emergency power generators. Now, fortunately, if you're familiar with it, there, it's easy enough to avoid normally, but uh, sometimes something unexpected can happen anyway. Be prepared. We're talking about a series of generators that is quiet as a laptop, it's 100% fume-free, and it's lightweight enough that you literally can pick it up and take it with you wherever you go. There will be a link in the show description that will take you specifically to the sales page for the Patriot Power Generator. But beyond that, you can just go to 4 and there you can claim 10% off any first-time order on literally everything in the store, including the generator, by using code TAP, T-A-P-P. So all you got to do is go visit four, that's the number four, patriots, as in more than one patriot, dot com. You do that, uh, look around, see what you got going on, find something that you just have to have. You're going to find plenty of things that you're going to like. Like I said back in the first hour, really, really thinking that I've got to figure out a way to get for myself the solar-powered freezer. Uh, <laughs> well, that's just too cool. Literally and punnily. Uh, yeah, definitely got to do that. Just visit them today. See what they got going on. If you decide to make a purchase regardless, use code TAP at checkout. That's 4patriots.com. Go do it right now. Uh, do it today. Do it whenever you hear this podcast. Whatever it is you need to do. Uh, just Trust me, you're going to want to. They've got cool stuff. Just visit. That's what I'm asking you. It's only if you decide to make a purchase that the code comes into play. 
But we get those uh, guys up and over their return on the investment of the sponsorship. <laughs> Maybe even get them to cut us another check. So that you're still helping me out while you're helping yourself out. And some of those more high dollar, uh, high dollar items, they do have payment plans available. So even if it's a struggle to fit it into the, the old budget right now, I think they can probably find a way to help that work for you. All right, let's get back to the action. We are running a little long. I'm still going to try to keep it close to two hours, but right now, like I said, Sunday shows way more relaxed now. So if I get going, I'm not going to worry so much about those time constraints anymore. The Tuesday show will definitely do that. The Friday show being live on the air, no choice but to do with that. Anyway, wanted to talk to you about California Senate Bill three four. Five. This is a brand new bill in California. Maybe you've heard about it already. Uh, Lord knows I posted about it on social media enough uh, since I've heard about it. But just in case you haven't, let me tell you what it suggests. You see, California SB 345, it seeks to protect doctors who provide abortion medications by mail to women in states where the medication or the procedure itself happens to be banned. It would also permit the distribution of controversial transgender medication, such as puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones, in states where local laws would prohibit it. So, what we're saying is, they want to let California doctors do what an Alabama doctor is not legally allowed to do. What a Georgia doctor wouldn't be able to, what a Tennessee doctor wouldn't be able to. If you're living in one of these states that has stopped transgender treatments, and again, I want to be very clear about this, the only place, the only transgender treatments that are being stopped, especially the cross-hormone and the puberty blockers, that's only being stopped in the case of minors. None of these states has made it illegal to do that for people that are legally an adult. So stop trying to mess with our children, California. But also, the distribution of the abortion drugs which several of which have strong enough potential side effects that normally, if you were to get them at a clinic, you're required to stay there long enough to make sure that you don't experience a medical emergency. But hey, let's just send it through the mail from the state of California. Let me contact a doctor that actually isn't able to see me. But hey, you know, maybe they're doing the, the telehealth conferencing kind of thing. Well, that would be great. Let me find a doctor in California, do something that is illegal in the state I'm in, and we're going to try to skirt the law. And now California is going to find a way to protect their doctors from possible legal ramifications that these other states might, uh, you know, I don't know, seek to establish some type of legal consequence. Does this sound like federalism to you? I, I'm just asking because 
The United States of America was founded as a constitutionally federated republic. The idea of federalism is that each state retains a certain amount of sovereignty, that each state gets to recognize that the people living within each state is different than the people living in other states, that you'll have different ideas, different moral beliefs, different legal agendas, and that that's okay because at the core, we're still one nation because we still agree with the most fundamental and basic principles of liberty, freedom, you know, uh, that idea about having a God-given right that our government was instituted to protect for the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of life, the pursuit of liberty. You guys remember those things, right? This new bill would literally allow people who are parents of a doctor in California. I'm sorry, not parents, patients. How did I get parents? I'm still thinking about the fact that this transgender puberty blocker stuff, uh, you're sidetracking the parents' wish. And that's just, that's heavy on my mind with this. The new bill would allow people who are patients of a doctor in California to obtain abortion medication or trans medication, even if the state they are in prohibits. Notably, the bill protects medical providers in California from punishment, but not the out-of-state patients or California doctors who leave the state to provide the care in person. Now, granted, they know that they have no ability to do that. This still kind of gives the green light to bad behavior. This still kind of allows this notion that somehow we're gonna we're gonna stand up for for the rights of abortion and, and trans kids' rights. We're gonna be their hero by doing stuff to help them still do these other things, but we're not gonna do anything that can actually protect them. Hey, how about this, guys? Why not just invite them to move to California, make them your resident, rather than do anything that crosses a state line, which you have no legal authority to do. This is just an effort to try and establish an extra layer of protection for people in their state that engage in this. So we can't really help you if you leave the state, but if you don't actually leave the state, then, you know, we can do whatever. Send a package via UPS. It'll be fine. Quoting here, <clears throat> excuse me, California healthcare practitioners will be able to provide essential, reproductive, and gender-affirming care that is legal in California, regardless of their patient's geographic location, knowing that California is doing everything it can to protect them against the draconian laws of other states. This, of course, a quote from Democratic State Senator Nancy Skinner who just so happens to be the author of SB 345. And as such, is blatantly defined the basic premise of federalism and the basis of which almost every federal law has been established. California does not have the right to deem it legal to practice from their side of their border anything, anywhere else. Period. 
They don't have the right to do that. They don't get to say, oh, doctor, you can send them this medication even though it's illegal for them to receive it. You're literally thumbing your nose at the laws of other states, and you don't get to do that. So, Miss Skinner, Senator Skinner, what are you thinking? Well, rest assured, Skinner says that SB 345 would permit doctors to, quote, prescribe and dispense medications for abortion and contraception that are safe to patients, regardless of where the patient is located. They'd be allowed to provide gender-affirming care and deliver that care regardless of where the patient is located and bring suit in California against anyone who interferes with the health care provider's right to provide care that is legal in California. And see, that's where it really gets tricky, isn't it? <laughs> so you can question the morality and the legality of ignoring another state's law. But now they're literally going to try to make it illegal for anyone to interfere with them in performing the illegal act. What? No, let me simplify that for you. They're being dumb. If it confuses you, it's okay. It's more than just a little confusing. If you can't help but, but wonder how you can make this statement and not understand that this is, in fact, what you are already doing to the other state when you allow it. Yeah, again, the left doesn't understand when they're being hypocritical. They don't understand when they're creating their own juxtaposition. They don't get it. And this lady, Senator Skinner, she's a prime example of not understanding. Let me, let me read that to you again, the last part. This new law is going to allow them to bring suit in California against anyone who interferes with the health care provider's right to provide care that is legal in California. Again, you're, I guess this is really just virtue signaling more than anything else because of the space This is not a law that can stand up to federal scrutiny. They're not going to want anyone to challenge it, so they're not going to push very hard, even if this gets passed. And we know the Democrats love the virtue signal, especially in the state of California, so there's a really good chance that this bill does become law. We know that Gavin Newsom has already signaled support for it. He wants it to get to his desk. He wants to sign it into law. He believes this is the thing to do. Of course, part of him already thinks that he's president, too. You can tell that by a lot of the statements he's made recently. He's waiting for Joe to get out of the way. He's waiting to step in, be the nominee, be the guy. He's good-looking, he's smart, and he's running California into the ground. But he, but he ran it. Politicians in the blue state, including Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, have promoted California as an abortion destination since the recent legal pro-life wins, which have coincided with the pandemic-charged 
population loss in the Golden State. Moreover, Newsom, back in Secretary, back in September, don't even know what I was trying to say. Secretary, back in September, signed a bill making California a so-called sanctuary state for child gender surgery, meaning they want to keep it completely legal to surgically mutilate and chemically castrate children at any age in the state of California. That's something to be proud of, Gavin. Something to be proud of. Now, critics of the law say that it infringes on states' rights. Well, duh. You're kind of understating it right there, aren't we? According to Blaine Conzati, uh, uh, Blaine, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your last name. Current president of the Idaho Family Policy Center. Blaine said, the arrogance of such a proposal is astounding. I can't help but agree there. It flaunts the traditional relationships between states and would upend our federal system altogether. Federalism is gone under this if it's allowed to stay. Right now, abortion is banned in most cases in 13 states, and numerous other states have requirements relating to how abortion medication is dispensed. The Biden administration first allowed uh, a particular abortion medication, mefeprestone, to be sent <clears throat> to be sent by mail and stopped enforcing a rule requiring women to get the drug in person at a clinic or a hospital during COVID. The removal of the in-person requirement was made permanent back in January of this year, and the Food and Drug Administration announced that it would allow pharmacies to become certified so that they can dispense the abortion medication to people who have a prescription. The mefeprestone is widely used in the United States, making up more than half of all abortions. Roughly right about an estimated 54%. Numerous states, including right here in Tennessee and in Mississippi, have outlawed controversial transgender medications and surgeries on minors, period. No exceptions. And the rest of the states should follow. Protect the children. It's absurd not to. Why would you not? Why at this point, with enough clear-cut evidence that this is causing more harm than good to children, why would you allow this to proceed? Elected officials, you have one job. I recommend you start doing it. And it's not to push your agenda to destroy the country. It's not your job to push agendas that harm children, that harm women, by virtue of saying that any man who says he's a woman can simply become one. It's not your job to pretend as if everything is awesome in your utopian, ridiculous imaginings. You don't get to just go around singing, Everything is awesome. You have to stand up and do your job. The work of the people. And not just the parts that you like, but the parts you don't like to. This law 
I'm sorry, this bill, should it become law, can't possibly withstand scrutiny at the federal level. It just can't. I know I said that already. I hate being redundant, but sometimes it's necessary to be redundant. It's it's not just arrogance on their part. It's an intentional effort to destroy the very concept of federalism. You cannot pass a law that makes it legal for the state of California to ignore the relationships in other states. You can't pass a law that just allows you to break laws in other states. And if you were to act on this bill, should it become law, then California has just become a criminal state and must be treated accordingly by all other states and by the federal government too. Let's take the mid-hour break and then I'm going to try to get two stories in before we close things out. I'm still going to try to keep it close to two hours. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. are to save and restore our beloved republic not only must we seal and protect our borders but above all we must save the children hello i'm ron edwards on today's page from the edwards notebook brought to you by constitutional grounds the coffee you want in your cup no nation even one as great as ours will prosper and remain strong with open borders but a nation that increasingly seeks to crt transgenderize stupefy and totally demoralize its young is basically signing its own death warrant Do not allow innocent children to be brought up in the godly and moral way they should be will produce a multitude of generations that will become a deadly enemy from within who will be as a curse on the prior generations, inflicting irreparable harm via government education and the increasingly inept and immoral church, while solid families, which are the backbone of a strong and blessed society, will become dysfunctional and an unreniable collage of disjointed, multi-pronounced individuals seeking to conjure up even more deviant practices, especially against the children. We, the people who love God, country, and family, must seek providential guidance in a united effort to restore America and seek God's forgiveness for allowing such madness to happen. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. See ya! Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ER each year for a head injury, 
there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named top six in the world in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say, stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We would indeed be just fine without their idea of progress. Uh, it's really funny. Most progressives claim to be progressive when they really are regressive. I know I'm not the first person to say that, but it just feels like it needs to be said more frequently. Really good example uh, comes up right here with this next story. Seems that the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at a California college said that she was in fact harassed and bullied out of her job because she wanted to, get this, she wanted to consider the perspectives of people from all races. That's right, she wanted to respect the 
the perspectives of people of all races equally, and that was enough to get Dr. Tavi Lee, who happens to be black, by the way, part of the, the faculty at uh, D... <laughs> Excuse me, I'm fighting a cough here. So sorry, guys. Of uh, De Anza College in uh, California, the, the, it got the, the faculty to to label Dr. Lee as a white supremacist. This was after she pushed the idea to, uh, quote, create safe spaces for everyone. You see, that's the part that can't be allowed, right? You can't say that part. Out. Dr. Lee, a black woman who was the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion, had the epiphany that you can't practice racism against any group if you're going to fight racism. And so she said so, and that made her a white supremacist. Yeah, Lee also said, when she was talking to the New York Post, that during her last review, her review for tenure, she was denied, and she was told that she would be out of a job as of June 15th, when her most recent contract is up. Quoting now from Dr. Lee, Some people wanted me to create spaces that were just safe for them. And that's not my mission as an educator. That's not what I'm here to do. Now, Dr. Lee worked for years as a middle school teacher and as an adjunct professor before she landed her job as the DEI director at De Anza back in 2021. In that position, one she described as a dream come true. Dr. Lee focused on designing workshops in an effort to promote inclusion. Again, in the New York Post report, she said all this, but after starting this job, Dr. Lee said that she was subject to daily, endless harassment right from the start. On one occasion, Lee said that she was questioned why school communications capitalized black but not white. She pointed out to, to recommendations from the National Association of Black Journalists, which advises that all racial groups should be capitalized. Okay, are you following the situation so far? She raised the question of why are we not treating white kids the same as we are the black kids? Why are we not showing the same respect? Why are we not showing the same concern? Well, of course, we know the answer from the uber lefties is a white privilege. Something that they still genuinely believe exists, and they've got a whole bunch of white folks brainwashed into believing, too. It's not a question of being white. It's a question of values that you're taught. It's a question of moral values that you embrace and believe and live that gives you an advantage in this life. And sometimes it doesn't feel like much of one. But a moral individual is far more likely to do well than an immoral person. You're going to find exceptions to that rule, yes, especially if that immoral action uh, is actions that are criminal in nature and can lead to harming others. 
But karma almost always catches up with those folks. She was attacked right off the gate because she asked the question, why are we not treating our white students as well as we're treating our non-white students? And that started. She also said, quote, for that, I was accused of being a white supremacist. These constant accusations of calling people racist or calling them a, a white supremacist or saying that they're aligned with the right-wingers, that's such ridiculousness. It's very damaging. Dr. Lee attempted to set up a summit to address the anti-Semitism going on after Jewish students and faculty came to her, saying that they were experiencing some anti-Semitism on campus. But she said that some of her co-workers argued that an event for Jewish people wasn't important because they too are white oppressors. The DEI director, again we're talking about Dr. Lee, also said that she received flack from her co-workers after she declined an invitation to join a campus socialist network. Uh, not a so socialist, guys. Don't want to be part of your network. She said, quote, I do not identify as a liberal or a conservative or a Republican or a Democrat or a libertarian or a socialist or a communist or a feminist. I don't identify with any of those labels, so I just had no interest in being part of that. Dr. Lee said there were others like her in DEI positions who are trying to do it in an inclusive way, actually being inclusive. But then she also lamented that those people are targeted for elimination or neutralization or sometimes both, by people who are working from an extreme ideological standpoint. Lee has not ruled out taking legal action against the college. I think she probably should. The college's coordinator of communications, Paula Norsell, responded to Lee's accusations, telling the New York Post that faculty members have comprehensive due process and appeals rights, both under the law and negotiated through their bargaining unit. That's the response. She's been bullied, harassed, and she's had enough of her co-workers complain to the university that they were not going to give her tenure, and they told her, in fact, as soon as the current contract is up, she no longer works for the college. Not because she wasn't doing her job, but because, in fact, she was doing the job too well. Again, I remind you, inclusion is the last word, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. If you're going to guarantee equal outcomes, it seems like, I told you a million times, the only way to guarantee that is to make sure that everybody's equally miserable, but I digress. Seems like you would be interested in everyone's outcome, not just those of a certain skin color. Well, you know, they've had it so good for so long, and, and they've got all the advantages over there. Uh, they're okay. What, there's anti-Semitism going on on the campus? Well, we don't really have to do anything about that. Jewish people aren't important enough. They're white oppressors, too. 
how racist do you have to be before you understand that anti-racism is just racism against white people? That's all it means to these people. When you have a black college professor who gets booted out of the job of diversity, equity, and inclusion because she was a white supremacist, you know, because she wanted to treat whites the same. Not sure how supremacy comes from treating the same, but when you've got that going on, it's pretty clear that you're not concerned about inclusivity. You're not concerned about equity. You're concerned about practicing racism. You just want to practice racism against a group of people that you believe deserved it because you experienced racism at some point, or at least someone you know did, or you were told a story about someone in your family that experienced it. Now, racism is ugly. Don't give me... I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm giving a green light towards actual racism against anybody for any reason. No. Racism is ugly and it's ignorant. Period. It is that simple. If you happen to actually be a racist, you're probably really angry at me right now for saying that. But it doesn't make it any less true. You can say whatever you want to. You can believe whatever you want to. In America, you're allowed to be nasty and ugly if that's what you want to do. You're allowed to believe what you want to believe. And we're allowed to associate or disassociate with you as we choose. But if you are in a position of authority in an institution that affects people's lives, you do not have the legal right. You do not have the ability you've got the ability, but you don't have the legal authorization to act on that ability to act on those ugly, nasty, terrible, very no good, very bad beliefs. We should not need inclusion. We should already have it. If you're somebody who's standing up to try to make sure that somebody who has been marginalized in the past is being included, then I applaud you. But that's not what DEI is doing in most cases. And this professor, Professor Dr. Lee, is a prime example of what happens when you actually try to do what you use the pretty little words to cover your actual intention. If you're actually engaging in diversity, equity, and inclusion. That means you're bringing everybody together as equals, and that includes the majority group. And even if suddenly white people were no longer the majority group, because, you know, you really push the diversity to a point that they no longer represent the majority on the college campus or whatever the situation may be, that's just all the more reason to have to treat them equally. Treat them the same way you want to be treated. Because if you take the time to get to know somebody, actually get to know them, all of a sudden you discover the color is not that big of a difference. Now, maybe some of your experiences have not been the same, but you come to find out that, generally speaking, most people are the same and want the same things. And if you're willing to at least get along with folks, you'll find that they're willing to allow you to be as successful as you can be.
that they're not going to be an obstacle to your success. Or worse, they're not going to come looking for you to commit acts of violence against you because you're inferior, you're lesser. You're, if you get to know folks, those feelings typically don't continue even if you have them. It's, a, it's an astounding thing for for a, an actual racist to become friends with somebody outside of their own race and come to realize that, you know what? That's kind of dumb that I did that. Now, granted, they may be, well, you know, this is the one, this is the one of them that's okay, whoever them may be. This is a, the one, the one exception, but, but the rule is still the rule. It may take a little time, but you can break through that. But you can't do it by being racist back. You may feel like you are justified. You may feel like you have every right to be. And in some cases, maybe you do have some justification for trying to dish out a little bit. But even then, that's only directed towards the people that have actually directed something to you to aim it at a group of folks that haven't. Well, that's not justice. That's not even vengeance. That's just tyranny. You're not going to find answers and solutions to the tyranny that you've experienced by engaging in it yourself. You're just not. I remember that once upon a time was common sense. All right, we got a few minutes left. I wanted to get to this uh, story involving one of my favorite accounts on Twitter. And thank God Elon took over and got things squared away. I'm talking about libs of TikTok. See, the libs of TikTok decided they were going to have an answer to some of these drag queen story hours. They were going to do a, a libs of TikTok children's story hour. But as is often the case when the left knows that libs of TikTok or any conservative speaker is showing up anywhere, bad things happen. As you may remember, because we discussed this a couple of weeks back, uh, the actual owner of the libs of TikTok uh, handle has written a children's book. And the left was going nuts about that without having seen it at all. But uh, at any rate, a children's book event that was hosted by the Libs of TikTok account creator, a conservative author now who runs the Libs of TikTok account, she, the event had to be canceled. The event had to be canceled because of threats. Uh, quoting here, we have received threats of potential inappropriate and unsafe behavior at the New York City Story Hour. Yeah, I'm, I'm again pausing here because I can't help but be angry. I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. She was going to do a children's story hour And it's not like anybody was going to be forced to attend. Only people who wanted to be there were going to be there. And yet, that's just not good enough 
for some folks on the left. Uh, these leftists, these violent would-be individuals who think that violent speech must be squashed unless they're the ones committing the acts of violence. And then it's okay because we're the good guys in their own minds and unfortunately not in the real world. But yeah, I get really angry. Anyway, the publisher of the new book said that they had advised the author that uh, they had canceled the event. With children being involved, we don't want to take any chances. And that's a smart thing, because some of these people probably would have gotten violent. I don't think they would have intentionally targeted children, but I can't be sure. Some of these people are that much off the rocker. Who knows? But in the event to try to get at this fine, fine individual who created Libs of TikTok, and I will forever be grateful for that because it's provided a great deal of material for this show and countless others, doing nothing more, nothing more than just trolling TikTok, finding the folks that claim to be liberals, claim to be leftists, claim to be uh, pro <laughs> the progressive thought leaders, educators, politicians, and otherwise strangely weird individuals. All I did was take the stuff they were posting that they had put up and kind of curated it and showed it to the rest of the people who probably aren't following those accounts so that we could see exactly what it was they were saying, what they were promoting, what they thought was important, what they thought was important thought leadership. That's all she did. She didn't edit these videos she didn't take anything that had not been publicly posted. She didn't even take things that had been saved by the Wayback Machine that these people had taken down off of their accounts. Now, some of them took it off their accounts after she released it, but everything that she took was still posted at the time she did it, and she just reposted it. This makes her worthy of being targeted. And yes, in their effort to get at her, somebody else could have easily gotten hurt. The publisher also vowed that uh, they're going to, quote, find a way to combat this moving forward. They're going to find a way to combat the threat. Uh, no, you're not. The only way you're going to combat it is to actually just get security and have the event. That's the solution. You don't back down. You don't let them win. That's the only way to combat it. Most of these people are probably just blowhards that are talking stupid crap just to make themselves sound better. And then they get to claim, yay, I was part of the people that, that got this stopped. I'm a hero. Yay. Look at me. Virtue signal, virtue signal. Most of them don't have the cojones to commit acts of violence. But the problem is... We know that some of them are. Some of them are perfectly willing to commit acts of violence, and they don't care who gets hurt in the process. So you're going to have to have security. You're going to have to have good security. So no, you're not going to find a way to combat it other than just face it head on and have the events take place. But they say they're going to find a way to combat it moving forward, and that they advise people to, quote, stay tuned for an announcement. In the coming days. Now, granted, I'll be watching for it. I want to see what's coming next. I want to see what they come up with. I want 
the new Libs of TikTok's children's book to be available because the whole purpose of this book is to tell you that if you have an adult in your life that is in a position of authority and they're telling you you need to keep secrets, especially from your parents, that that's probably somebody you shouldn't trust. That's the whole purpose of the book. And that, once upon a time, was considered common sense. That, once upon a time, was considered good life advice. But now, now we're supposed to have people in positions of authority telling the children, you know, keep secrets from your parents. Uh, secrets like whether or not uh, Johnny comes into school and then changes into a dress and everybody calls him Jill. Well, we can't tell the parents that. We have to keep that secret. Nobody tell anybody that. So the left now is on the side of keeping secrets from parents. The event, which was to be held Sunday, was billed as a rival event to the Drag Queen Story Hours that was being hosted by the New York Attorney General, Miss James, on the same day. Renichek, uh, that's her name, now canceled event, was sponsored by the publisher and the New York Young Republicans Club, according to the, uh, the listing at Eventbrite. Christian actor and author Kirk Cameron, by the way, uh, Kirk Cameron's Freedom Island Tour book event with Brave Books was crashed by protesters at a public library in Fayetteville, Arkansas this past Friday. Publisher and uh, Post Millennial both reported on that one. I hadn't had a chance to talk about that too much, but that's insane too. They've been threatening Kirk Cameron and his events as well because he happens to believe that, you know, uh, Christianity is a pretty good solution to most of life's problems. Not the answers to all of them, but certainly puts you on a much better path to deal with them. Anyway, the publisher tweeted uh, at that time, quote, This hateful group, dressed to disturb children, were angry when Kirk Cameron brought up God and faith with the children and parents during our brave story hour. The tweet included a video where one of the costume protesters appears to say that he stepped on a poor, tiny, blonde, white girl. The video cuts away to a woman confirming the person, in fact, did step on her twice and hit her with a cane. People were dressed in funky, funky ways. If you haven't seen the footage, I highly suggest you go check it out, by the way. Brave Books is not, along, uh, not alone, I mean, among publishers whose conservative authors have been heckled, threatened, or even flat-out assaulted. It's just absurd that here we are, trying to help save the republic, trying to help save the culture, trying to help reestablish common sense, and we're still, at every turn, accused of being the bad guys. We're accused of being the violent ones. We're accused of being extremists 
anarchist. Well, no, they don't claim anarchy because that's a mantle they hold on to. But insurrectionist, yeah, that's one they'll throw at us. But we're not the ones showing up at their events causing violence. And when we do show up at their events, <laughs> like the Canadian pastor that we talked about just a couple of weeks back, showed up at a drag queen story hour at a public library in Canada, they were physically assaulted, physically removed from the building, thrown out and injured, and then, as they were seeking medical attention, they were the ones that were arrested. But the lefties show up at an event like this, dressed in scary outfits, trying to frighten the children, and, oh, well, that's just protest. All right. You started stepping on somebody and hitting them with a cane. That's become assault. That's no longer just protest. Anything happen there? And uh, no. The locals just let it go. It's like, well, you were really just, you were getting them riled up by just, you know, being here and stuff. Really? Is that the bar that's being set? I don't blame the publisher for canceling the libs of TikTok story hour event. I don't. But the fact that they weren't better prepared, they were in New York for crying out loud. If you weren't prepared for threats and the possibility that somebody might show up and take action on those threats, even if it was something dumb like uh, stepping on or kicking or hitting or using a cane to bop somebody over the head, if you weren't ready for that to happen when you scheduled it, then that's being short-sighted on your part. Why does anybody in publishing at this point still not understand that there is a genuine threat to conservative authors? We've seen it over and over again. That's why so few publications, uh, publishers now are even willing to handle conservative authors. They don't want to deal with the pushback. They don't want to deal with the responsibility of doing the book shining tours. They don't want the headaches. And that's what the left counts on. So ultimately, these publishers are going to have to step up their game. They're going to have to be better prepared. And they need to understand that it's their authors that are actually most likely going to make them the most money anyway so they can afford to spend a little money on security. They can afford to go get a little more PR on their behalf because it's going to pay off in the end way better than that Hillary Clinton book that sold two copies and both of those went to Hillary Clinton's office. Death safe. All right, that's going to have to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here till the end. As always, I do appreciate it. Hope you'll join me again Tuesday as I will be joined once again by the fabulous, multi-talented, prolific author, Mr. Noble. Hope to see you then. And meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, Let's go,
control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Amin, and Pol Pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. Using both hands. Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid.